Whew. It is nice to take that off after you move, isn't it? It is refreshing to be outdoors this morning and we want to welcome you all here. It's great to be worship, be able to worship together again. I want to welcome everybody again this morning, whether you're an attender regularly at Nova or you were just driving by and you saw us and you thought, hey, I want to worship this morning. Or if you're part of our church plant, Momentum Christian Fellowship, or if you're joining us from Gateway Church. It is good and pleasant for believers to worship together in unity. And as we continue this morning, uh, let's join our hearts in prayer together. Let's pray together. God, we are thankful to you. Through it all, in these times of uncertainty, we are grateful to you because you are certain. In these times of separation, we are grateful to you because nothing separates us from the love of Christ. In these times of inequity, in these times of sickness and death, we are grateful to you because we know that there will be a time where all justice will be served. And we are grateful to you because new life, eternal life is found in you because you are the resurrection and the life. So as we bring our congregation before you this morning and we mention the sick and we ask for healing and as we ask for empowerment to do your will and comfort for those who are hurting because of the circumstances that life has brought their way. We also ask that you would grant us wisdom in our trials, that we would increase in endurance, grant us your perspective that we might daily maturity and and an evenness of spirit as we follow your son, Jesus. God, make us missionaries this week, wherever we might be and with whatever resources we might have and with whatever circumstances come our way. Grant to us insight to see how greatly we have been blessed so that we can radiate those blessings to all of those around us. And God, open our eyes Open our ears to your words from the scriptures this morning as we approach you. And we pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Okay. I'm very grateful that Andrew is preventing me from getting electrocuted this morning. Because that would be gruesome. <laughs> well, good morning and welcome back. And happy summer, <laughs> happy summer. This is it, man. This is exact, but you know what? Maybe it's better than having the sun beat down on this morning. Ah, we can do this every week, even without the coronavirus. It'd be awesome. Well, summer is upon us and we can feel the difference markedly, maybe not in the weather, but in our household, we feel it all of the time because even though the kids were not physically going to school before summer came, now summer is here and the kids have nothing to do whatsoever. There's no need to wake up for a Zoom meeting in the morning. There's no need to do a Google Hangout with their other kids to do their school projects. There's no homework. There's no tests. There are no finals which has left us this last week as parents, if you are a parent, you might identify with us, entering summer, kind of asking ourselves, what do we do with our kids? 
What should we do with a 12-year-old and a 14-year-old just hanging around the house all day with all of this time on their hands? We could leave them to their own, um, well, literally, we could leave them to their own devices. I mean, every child would love to sit in their pajamas all day with uh, uh, a switch and an animal crossing, whatever they do, or texting over their iPad all the day with their friends. Or we could, we could enroll them in some summer online program to keep them occupied. We used to buy these books at Costco. They're workbooks so that the kids were required to do something with their summer. And in years to come, maybe after this situation, what are we going to do? Should they get a summer job or an internship, summer school, summer camp? Summer is the great enigma for all parents. And in the end, really, our question is, how can all of this precious time that they've been given be used for the greatest impact in their lives? So our children grow, and they learn, and they mature, and they become productive instead of having summer be a step backwards, step backwards academically or socially or spiritually. We always want our kids to be going forward and growing. Wow, it's really coming down. <laughs> you will, if you are all plants, you would be growing now. <laughs> and this, this impulse, we get it because this is the same impulse that we all have inside and we we sense that inside of ourselves to not waste the time that we've been given or as paul says as we're familiar to redeem the time and grow and mature rather than wither and weaken and this morning as we uh, re-enter our series in the book of james this is precisely the impulse that james is addressing simply how do we grow how do we become as our series has been titled how do we become steadfast and James is going to lay out the simplest roadmap very quickly, <laughs> very quickly, to being more mature in our faith so that daily we're taking steps forward, being more productive and more steadfast. As James says, more complete, lacking in nothing in our faith as we follow Jesus. So if you've got your Bible or your Nova app, you can kind of cover it and you can turn with me to our text this morning. It was also kind of texted out. It's on the, uh, it's on the webpage. It's James chapter 1, verses 21 through 25. James 1, 21 through 25. James says this. He says, Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's, a, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he's looked at himself and gone away, he's immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. Okay, an easy, quick five verses, which are probably pretty familiar to many of us, this illustration of the Bible as this mirror to our lives. But before we get to our passage this morning, we always like to look at the context because it's going to shed light on how we're going to apply this to our lives. And if you remember, our author is James. He's this half-brother of Jesus. And now he's the leader of this huge church in Jerusalem, thousands of people, the mother church. And he's writing all of these people who are not at that church. In fact, they've been pushed 
out from Jerusalem because of persecution. And all of these exiles have gone on to start new churches throughout the Roman Empire. And since they're still young in knowing Jesus, they need wisdom in their faith. And we know that the preponderance of these believers in Jesus who are out there have this ethnic and spiritual uh, kind of Jewish heritage since that was the original composition of the church. And we'll see that influence throughout the letter of James because much of James's letter reads like, um, like the book of Proverbs. And so in order to teach these scattered believers how to be steadfast and mature in their faith, Jesus uses teaching that resembles a lot of what we'll find in the Old Testament, wisdom literature, to guide them. And he, he does this. He illustrates Christian maturity through painting a couple of pictures. On the one hand, now we don't have slides, but on the one hand, steadfastness is pictured with words like complete and enduring, mature, planted, like a, like a big solid tree, like our big stone pine here. That's, that's the solid, steadfast faith. faith. On the other hand, uh, there's uh, those whose faith is kind of just for show. James paints a different picture of them. They're doubters, like the surf of the sea. They're, they're described as unstable and dunked. Those who are easily carried away. They're like, um, for some of you, you're seated on uh, parts of our lawn that they didn't really get watered. Withers, it browns, it has no root or perseverance. It's an outward faith that is rootless. It's not really real. It's not really alive. And that is where we are this morning, continuing that contrast between true and false and steadfast and fleeting the steadfast tree, and then the grass that withers and fades. Now, our last study in the book of James, James chapter 1, verse 18, James told us that people with true steadfast faith, we are like the first fruits of God, flourishing because we're planted from the seed, the seed being the word of truth. James says, in the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth so that we would be kind of first fruits among his creatures. Our text this morning, James 1, 21 through 25, we're just following that illustration that true believers are like plants that have grown from hearing the seed that is God's word. And James tells us how to be those solid uh, big stone pines, steadfast and growing. Three principles he gives to us. James says the first principle of growth is that we need to remove the weeds. <laughs> remove the weeds. Okay, we can see this in the very first verse here in our passage. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. That before the word is implanted, the soil that receives the word of God has to be prepared. Our lives have to be clear, James says. Put aside filthiness and wickedness. This is the same language that the Apostle Paul, he uses in his letters when he illustrates taking off our old lives, like taking off clothes, in order to put on Christ. The point being that the new and the old, they don't mix. You can't have them both in the same space. New life, new gets choked out by the weeds. 
And so we have to get rid of the patterns that we are rid of the habits of rebelling against God. We have to get rid of the preconceptions that it's all ought to be in our lives. The patterns that we were taught uh, by friends or, or family or all of the voices that surround us that tell us to indulge ourselves or to protect ourselves or look out for ourselves or follow our hearts. Clear out everything that is not God. Clear out everything that is not the word of God. That's the prerequisite to maturity and spiritual stability in life. Being humble enough to say, I am going to leave behind my picture of the good life. I'm going to leave behind my picture of what is right, what I want, and all that my culture teaches me to accept. Because the way of Jesus is better. That's James' first step to steadfastness. Remove the weeds. His second follows easily, and that is receive the word. Remove the weeds, receive the word. That any degree of maturity or perseverance, any amount of being solid in our lives, begins with the hearing of God's word. James reminds us in James 1.18 that God brought us forth by the word of truth. And so we are here in, past, in our verse 21 to receive the word implanted, which is able to save our souls. Whatever goodness happens in our lives springs from God's word being planted in us. What God says to us and having that bear fruit. Fruitfulness begins nowhere else. No amount of strategy, no amount of conference going, no amount of following this or that celebrity pastor or book reading or attendance at events accrues to our lives the solid maturity that we need. We need to get God's word into us whether on a Sunday morning or your daily Bible reading or small group or listening to sermon on, sermons online, this is the transformative work that we overlook because it's so very basic. But we need to listen to God through his word and listen to him more if we are to be the kind of pillars of wisdom and the pillars of love that our world needs right now. Jesus' Jesus' final instructions to his disciples as he was going to the cross was that if his words abided in us, then we would bear fruit. Then we start to progress again along this, this path of growth where we're reaching people, where we are producing love, where we are producing mercy, where we're producing justice and sharing the gospel and doing good to others. Simple. Very simple steps that we're familiar with, but also vital steps when life is just so confusing and we need to know, what do we do today? Remove the weeds, receive the word, and then finally respond with action. Respond with action. Verse 22 says, prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers. That whatever God instructs us to do through reading the scriptures, we do it. Rather than hearing or reading or attending and then just walking out the door, walking off the grass, unchanged, without a plan, to do what God has just told us to do. If we are hearers and not doers, God says, we're just simply deluding ourselves. We are lying to ourselves. Then James tacks on this very famous illustration that we're familiar with, which is again a contrast. First, in verse 23, there's this man who looks at himself in a mirror. And as we do, we see, we see that all the things that need to be fixed, 
that blemish, those stray hairs, maybe we need a good face washing. But this man, mm -mm, he looks, and some versions like the English Standard Version translate that this man even looks intently, because that's really kind of the word. It's like gazing at himself. This man sees everything that needs to be corrected, but then he fixes nothing. Fixes nothing. He forgets all of the blemishes. He walks out the door, immediately forgets all of the things that should be changed. Then James, James, he leaves that illustration behind. Goes into verse 24 and tells us about this other person. He looks at God's words. He calls it the, the perfect law, the law of liberty, which is exactly what God's words are. They free us because they're not just rules. They're principles of who Jesus is in our lives. This person takes all that they see into their lives and they become effectual doers. They change. They have God's words make a difference in their lives rather than leaving those words behind. We're going to let the boys in blue do their work and go their way. Okay, they're gone. Both people, they look intently at God's word. Both people are in the pews. That is not the problem. They may even be Bible studiers, but the person who is steadfast, the person who is mature, has God complete that work of transformation in their lives by having God make a real substantive difference resulting from their time of hearing or reading or being taught of, God, of God's words. They respond with action. So that's the difference between the withering grass and, and the big solid tree. Those of false faith and those with real enduring faith, this three-step process of removing the weeds and receiving the word and responding in action. And this is especially relevant to us in our times because just like those first century believers undergoing trials, it's times of upheaval, it's times of change which reveal true steadfastness. It's times of upheaval and change which return us to the most fundamental principles of faith in Jesus. It's times of upheaval and change which bring us back to good guidance and gospel wisdom in our lives, rather than all the different voices screaming different opinions in our context. A couple of applications we can draw from James's challenge to be steadfast. The first is make room for God's word. Make room for God's word. That while we might come and hear the word of God, or we might have this daily discipline of reading the Bible or surrounding ourselves with any number of resources to know what God says better, we fail on the approach. We fail on the approach. And that is to seriously come before God with a posture of humility and change. A posture that says, I'm ready to abandon whatever I might be holding on to. I'm ready to be abandon whatever I may be valuing. And especially whatever might be selfishly to my advantage. Set aside what our parents might have instilled in us. Set aside what's popular with our friends and our influences. Set aside the potential persecution from our community. That we are ready to change our hearts. This is putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness. In humility, receiving the word implanted. And this is difficult. Because we have a bunch of idols in our lives that we bow down to. We have heroes, we have political persuasions, we have idea, ideologies that we have held for a long time. 
and positions that we have defended. And in humility, receiving the word implanted means saying that we are willing to let go of all of it. Whatever God says. And it becomes practical. Uh, some of you have heard that lawmakers have decided to pursue this uh, rescinding this ban on affirmative action because of the killing of George Floyd. And this really hits close to home for someone uh, like me. If you're unfamiliar, uh, affirmative action is this social program where certain groups are given advantages because they have had this long history of having disadvantages. And it's been about 24 years since they struck down affirmative action. California voters decided you not ought not to use race to help certain populations that historically have had disadvantages, especially in terms of college admissions. And since then, frankly, the population of Asians and Asian Americans in the UC system has just skyrocketed. It's amazing. There are more Asians in competitive UC schools than any other ethnic group. At UCLA, that's 30%. Uh, it's almost one in every three students at UCLA. At UC Irvine, you are hard pressed to find someone who is not Asian. Oh, you throw a rock, you're gonna hit someone who's Asian. 40% of the student body is Asian. Only 15% of our state is Asian or Asian American. And so the ban on affirmative action, well, I predict, you know, my kids are gonna be pretty good test takers. They're gonna be okay in Torrance schools. Keeping the ban on affirmative action would be great for my family's educational prospects. Let's be honest. It would give them a huge competitive advantage. But I need to put that aside when I come to the word of God. And I need to ask, God, what's your opinion? How, how do I see God addressing our times? While God is a God of fairness, justice is equally giving people their due as well as raising up the oppressed. There are always questions about the role of government and education and who's going to do things right and exactly how to, to do things that are consistent with certain values. So many different issues in play. And I don't know. I don't know. I have zero opinion currently as to where God is leading on this issue. But I do know that if I'm to grow, if I'm to mature, if I'm not to be tossed here and there by either my own self-interest or the current hot-button issue of the day, I have to let go of all of it before I come to God's Word. Before God, we need to come yielded, saying, God, I don't know. God, guide me with your principles. Help me to see Jesus and his heart and his mind and what he would like me to value and to believe. God, move me beyond my level of comfort. Because if I hold exactly all the same opinions and all the convictions and applications and practices and see no change in my life, I have not received the word implanted in my life in humility. That's our first application. Make room for God's word. Our second flows from it, and that is be a doer. Be a doer. If we want to be steadfast and immovable like the tree and not like the grass that withers, we need to be what James calls effectual doers. That means coming away from the word being planted in us and asking, always asking, what now? God, what do you want me to do? 
What can I change? How can I serve? Who can I tell? Writing that down, scheduling that, and going and doing it. In short, we need to be doers of deeds and not simply what our whole culture is encouraging us to be, and that is consumers of content, content consumers, because that's what we've become both outside and inside the church, content consumers. And we get that proof every week. If you've got an iPhone, you are getting proof of that every week because it pops up with that little message. You, your, your screen time is, is increased 5% every day or down, maybe it's down maybe 5% this week every day because you've been watching TV more and on, on your computer instead. But you, we are always constantly consuming content. Even our bodies are telling us that we are doing less and consuming content more. Last week, Pastor Dean, he, he had you put your hand on your head and then put your hand on your heart. And, and um, this week, you can reach back. Just reach back to the back of your head, the back of your skull. You might just feel just feel there. There might be a little small growth at the base of your skull. If you feel it, that is called a prominent exostosis emanating from the external occipital, occipital perturbance. Thank you. It's also known as you're growing a stinking horn on the back of your head because you look down at your phone too much. Seriously. The study found these growths, it did not discriminate. It doesn't matter how old you are. In 400 adults ages 18 through 86, it found growths ranging from 10, 10 millimeters to 31 millimeters, attributed to what's called forward head flexion, which is the position that we're stuck in whenever we're looking down at one of our devices. 31 millimeters is big enough so that you're able to feel something back there at the base of your skull. Otherwise, it's growing there. All you have to do is take an, a little bit of an x-ray, and it's there. Of course, the article where this was reported said, you could stop this. All you got to do is go to a physical therapist. Maybe they'll teach you to hold your phone like this from now on, when you're on your couch or you're walking around. You'll do something different. You'll change your habits. You know what's better? Stop binging on content and start living life. Instead of trying to be the correct voice online about the origins of the virus, maybe go out and fetch groceries for your elderly neighbor. Instead of reading all the articles about vaccines and face masks, although it's important to keep up to date as to what you should be doing, maybe spend your time making some face masks for students when they have to go back to school. Instead of getting into great debates about who was at fault in that last shooting, Go and clean up a business that was damaged, or set up a scholarship fund for a disadvantaged student, or help tutor someone, or be a big brother or big sister to someone who's growing up in a difficult situation. Instead of being obsessed with who is right and who is wrong, go out and be good. Be an effectual doer instead of merely a hearer. And really, this is just the gospel. This is just the gospel. This is the message of Jesus who was the word and who came and forgave and changed us as we were humble before him. He loved us so much that he came and he gave his life so that we could have a different kind of life, an eternal life, a life that is like a tree 
firmly planted by streams, which yields its produce in its season, and its leaf does not wither. It's a simple message, and it's not new. But Jesus' life in us must make a difference. Are we the product of his direction? Are we the product of his words and his life in us? Are we the product of the changing times and voices and opinions? Can those around us see the difference that Jesus makes in what we are doing and how we are changing and what is being produced by our lives? Are we steadfast? Let's pray together. God, we are grateful to your word. And as we receive your word implanted into our hearts, help us, help us to be just open, that we would clear out all of those things that predispose us to have hardness of heart, soften us, and then God, activate us. As we have prayed this morning, make us missionaries for you. Help us to shine your light through the clouds of our current circumstances into the lives of others. And so send us, whether it's through the internet or at a distance, into the lives of others to be good. Not because we want marks of some kind, but because, God, you have been so good to us. We've been loved by Christ. Make us those who love others. God, we thank you for this time this morning. Send us forth, and we pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.